0: Amen. All right. Well, it is so good to see everybody today. I am excited. Today's a good day. We are, uh, we are in a series that we started last week called All In, and we are lo- looking at how to move from being a casual, disconnected, ineffectual religious tourist to going deeper into Christ deeper into community, which is the body of Christ. And, uh, and so we're asking the, the question, what would happen, what might happen if we dared to trust God enough to give our everything to the God who can do anything, amen? And so what would happen if you dared to trust God enough uh, to just accept that invitation, to give him your everything? What would happen if you held nothing back, but made Jesus the Lord Of every single aspect of your life what would that look like what would that look like well as a way to kind of maybe to put that in perspective let me tell you about something uh, that happened this weekend I don't know if you knew what was going on around uh, the woodlands the spring area Uh, you might have I don't know if you heard uh, it's kind of a big deal but I was in the Ironman triathlon (laughs) yesterday kind of a big deal yes yes very grueling just like they say um I was not competing, I was stuck in traffic. So, and let me tell you, it, you know, they say you got to make sacrifices to be in the Iron Man. It's true. It was true. I had to go on this weird long detour just to get to Starbucks and, you know, wondering what in the world's going on, looking at my phone. Oh, right. But, um, but you know, I was in it. Right in the middle of it. So, kind of a big deal. Um, I don't like to brag about it, but I just wanted to let you know, um, but m- much in the same way that we can be, you know, the pathetic guy stuck in traffic versus the one who is going for the glory of the game out there you know swimming the you know 50 miles or whatever it is and they bike 94 miles and then when you get all done with that what you want to do right then is run a marathon right that's what we all after you've gotten done biking 94 miles it's just crazy it doesn't even compute in my brain but that is what these, these people were doing and uh, and so we we're, we're asking this question what would what does it mean to go all in what does it go all in now the way the bible tells us that we go deeper in our walk with christ is through obedience in what Christ instructs us to do, right? And what he instructs us to do, not just learning more stuff about Christ. I learned a lot about the Iron Man sitting in my car, looking it up <laughs> online on my phone. I was like, I learned where the route was. I, re- I learned that I was going to be stuck in traffic for a while. Um, you know, all this stuff that I learned, you know, I feel like, man, I really know a lot about the Iron Man now. Um, but, and I learned that I would probably never, ever want to do that. Um, myself. But, but when, when, we, when we go all in for Christ, it's not about learning more about Christ. It's, it's about diving deeper into community, the body of Christ, partnering together, you and me partnering together to accomplish uh, what he's called us to do, our mission. And being disciples who make disciples means that we don't just get, uh, accumulate more knowledge about Jesus, we imitate Jesus. We love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. That's being a disciple. And so the exciting thing I've discovered along this journey of faith of mine is that no matter how hard you try, and you can try, but you cannot outgive God. You've probably heard people saying that and it is absolutely true. You cannot outgive God. If you dare to give your everything to the God who can do anything, nothing will be impossible for him to do in your life. You can't outgive him. You can't outperform God, and so uh, you know. So, how do we go all in as as Christians? In a sense, what we're we're looking at three ways over these three weeks, and it's kind of our very own triathlon. We're we're looking at how to be Ironman Man Christians here. We honor God by uh, giving Him and in investing our time, our talents, and our treasure. Our time, our talents, and our treasure. This is sort of. The, the, the trifecta of going all in with God. Last week, we looked at one way we go all in, which was serving one another, having that heart of a humble servant, investing our talents into the body of Christ. Today, we're going to look at, at a second one, and that is we go all in through our giving. That's investing our treasure into the kingdom of God, having a heart of generosity. So that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about that scariest of all subjects in church, your money. Right? Your money. Um, Now, this is an awkward subject for a lot of folks. And I'm telling you, I I have to admit to you and repent before you. In uh, about 14 years that I've been teaching and preaching now, uh, I've talked about this subject never before. So I have to repent for that because it is an awkward subject, right? And for for some folks, it is. Uh, And, you know, God, Lord, Convicted me of this because there are principles here that will change our life. It's it's an important thing. We, I want to put the conversation into some context uh, for a lot of folks who may be new to the church. Why, why is this awkward? A few decades ago, I don't know how many exactly how many decades ago, there came on the religious scene here in the church this new awareness that God actually loves us, He <laughs> likes us, and He doesn't want us all, all of His saints to be poor and miserable. This was like a newsflash to a whole bunch of people. God doesn't want us all to be poor and miserable. Um, and so this was a wonderful thing. He, we found out he actually enjoys blessing us. And so we had this fresh revelation come about in the 20th century that about this principle. Let's see if we're, we're in a charismatic, spiritual church here. The principle of sowing and reaping. reaping. Okay, yes, we're a full gospel charismatic church. I just want to make sure. everybody, Sowing and reaping, this principle, which was beautiful. Then, because human beings just can't help themselves. We, we can't seem to stop from turning anything beautiful and holy, you know, into something corrupted or religious or carnal or something like this. A few folks got carried away with what some people called like a prosperity-based gospel that told people, give a whole bunch of money to God, and he will give a whole bunch of money back to you. It was, it's kind of like a sure thing. It's like a sure thing get-rich scheme, right? Give a whole bunch of money to God, and he'll give a whole bunch of money to you. Uh, if you want to get super rich, have four cars and a mansion, and never, ever, ever get sick, you just need to give a whole bunch of money to God. Give a bunch of money to God. So that's what came about. Here's the problem, is now, see, we got this great revelation in scripture about how to be joyful, overcoming, all-in disciples, and like live this, blessed life where God is like doing miracles for us, and he's blessing us to be a blessing and this sort of thing, and, 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 I've, and some of us turned it into an excuse to live in sin and greed and love of money. As a result, today, you can't talk about money in the church without people going, here we go, the church is going to take all my money, right? Some of you had that thought, you know, I guarantee you, you probably couldn't even stop it, here we go. Church is going to try to take all my money this morning. The problem is, we need to talk about your money. We need to talk about money because it's actually important to God. It is. Um, you see, when you, when you read your Bible and you find, you find out that God talks a lot about money, he really does. You wouldn't think, so, think that, but he does. There are more verses in the Bible on the subject of money than about prayer and faith put together. More verses about money. Jesus talked a lot about money. Most of you, if we were honest, care about money a great deal. Right? Uh, it's probably on your mind this week. Your money or lack of it or need of it or something like that, right? So what we need isn't just to ignore the subject of money. That's kind of what some people are like, no, nah, money, that's kind of like that off-limits thing. We, it needs to be off-limits in the church. It needs to go in that box, you know, like with sex. It's it's a you know, we're all thinking about it, but we can't talk about it in church. Um, what we need is not to not to ignore the subject of money, but what we need is is to move from a worldly, greed-based view of money to a godly, kingdom, generosity-based view of money. I mean, because God talks about money, so apparently the, talking about it's not wrong, but we need to talk about it in a different way. Maybe that's what we need to do. So, we're going to try to do that this morning. Um, now, the New Testament uses a really peculiar word when it talks about greed. And it's this word you might have heard. It's called mammon. Mammon. Mammon appears four times in Scripture. Uh, once in Matthew 6 and three other times in Luke 16. Here's one of the times. In Luke 16, verse 13, he says, "No, sir, This is Jesus talking no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and mammon now let's be really clear on this because i had heard some really good teaching on this i want to pass this along mammon is not money First of all, we have to be clear on that. Mammon is not money. Mammon is an Aramaic word. It comes from the the Babylonian, or no, the Syrian god of riches. So back then, they literally worshipped mammon. It was the god of riches. And so the Bible's very clear about money. See, there are good folks in the Bible, good people, that God blesses with a lot of wealth. uh, And it came from God. It makes it very clear that it was a blessing from God. So money can't be evil if God blesses people with it. First, uh, uh, First Timothy 6.10 makes it really clear. What does it say is, is the root of all evil? The love, the love of money. That's mammon. The love of money. That's the spirit of mammon. Now, why does God detest mammon so much? I mean, why is it wrong to love money? I mean, I can love my kids. I love enchiladas. I can't love mammon. You know, why, why is, what's God's big deal with that? Um, it's because mammon represents this prideful, arrogant spirit that actually says, I don't need God. I have enough sufficiency in myself. I don't need God. Well, see, this doesn't work very well because, see, it is the nature of God to give. Now, this little point I'm fixing to make, is this will rock your world. This rocked mine. It is the nature of God to give. Giving is what God does. It's like what he does. He can't hardly help himself. I like how Pastor Robert Morris, he put it this way. He said, if God is the subject of the Bible, giving is the verb of the Bible. The verb of the Bible. So this, this will change your whole understanding of God, your relationship with Jesus, when you realize what God does. What he just, what it, giving is the primary action that runs throughout Scripture. So you, you might think that love is the verb of the Bible, right? Because it says God is love, but actually giving is what God does. The Bible shows us that he, God is love, but what he does out of that love is give. He doesn't just think nice, warm thoughts about you, right? His love language, what he does with that love is give. It says, for God so loved the world, he loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus, right so giving is always this, this visible expression of God's love. it's always the primal visible expression of God's love if he loves you, he gives to you Genesis says, God created mankind and gave to him every good thing to eat Matthew 7:11 says, "So how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things to those who ask so Now, this is really cool, because what are we supposed to do? We we are image bearers of God, right? We're image bearers of God, he made us that way. He's forming us into the image of of his son, so that we become more Christ-like every single day. You and I are acting the most like God. We are at our most Christ-like when we give, because that's what he does, when we give. Not just when we feel love, Right? So we can have nice, warm thoughts towards each other. That's not what the Bible tells us to do, right? The Bible never says that being people of love is just feeling love for each other. What Scripture calls us to do is to give of ourselves with our time, our talents, and our treasure, serving one another, investing in Christ's church with our means, our money, our stuff, generosity, all that. That's what the Christian life is all about, That is living all in. That's the difference between the pathetic guy in his car stuck in traffic and the one who is experiencing the glory of the race, right? They're not pathetic. Oh, thank you, sister. (laughs) That's being all in. You look the most like God. You're an imitator of Christ at your best when you are giving. So kind of back to mammon. When God comes along and He encounters someone who rejects His desire to bless, because they're obsessed with their own wealth, or 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 they He comes across someone who will not give to others because they are obsessed with their own wealth, God cannot be God in their life. They have made mammon their God, right? That's why you can't serve both God and mammon. Mammon is selfish; God is generous. That's just who he is, right? Mammon promises identity, security, peace, power, independence, pleasure, all the things that God is supposed to be our source of. So Mammon promises all this. God wants to be the source of all this. Mammon is greed, and listen, God hates it. He hates it. Don't underestimate his feelings toward greed. Greed is antichrist, Greed is antichrist. It is the opposite of the nature of Christ. Right? Greed is antichrist. Now, okay, so God is God. God invented everything, right? He's the creator of all. He even invented giving. You ever wonder why God invented giving? Why did God invent giving? Was he up in heaven? They were like, guys, I don't know if we can pay the light bill today we got to get these guys giving. (laughs) Things are tight. I don't think so, right? So God did not invent giving for himself. He invented giving for our sake. First of all, two reasons. One, because we are image bearers of him. And when we give, we are the most like God. He created us to be image bearers. He's all about giving, but I think there's a really important reason why he created giving. Because giving, more than anything else works greed and selfishness out of our life. When we give, that works greed and selfishness out of my life? You know what I'm talking about, right? If you just gave an offering, a little bit of greed died in you, right? It works it out of our life. He invented giving to work greed and selfishness out of our lives. The problem, see, so when you go back to where we, where we went off, the church, some of the church went off a little bit. The problem with the give to get message is it actually works greed and selfishness back into our life. It's like a back door. It works it back into our life. It, it feeds the beast. God's trying to work greed and selfishness out of our life. The give to get says, let's work it back in. It's just greed and mammon clothed in religious language. Right? And well, we feel good about it. I feel good about being greedy. What the Bible actually teaches isn't giving to get. It's giving to give this is what we see in the new testament people disciples giving to give now let's be super clear here because i want you to know the kind of church you're in god wants to bless you we believe that wholeheartedly it is just as big a mistake to buy into this like super religious idea that uh ultimate spiritual maturity is found in poverty that's not in the bible If the give-to-get gospel is is a ditch that some Christians have fallen into, then this sort of poverty gospel is the other ditch on the other side of the road. They're both ditches. They're both a huge exercise in missing the point. Okay? Okay? Here's the facts. The good news is that you have a God who loves you so much, he can't hardly help himself but bless you lavishly. He wants to bless you so much because you're his children, and he's a father. And he says, just like, I mean, your own dad would give you bread if you were hungry. How much more would I give you? He says that because he loves you. It's, it, he said, Jesus said, it's, it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he wants to, to bless you. Here's the other thing we know is that he's called you to be the conduit of blessing to other people. So he wants to bless you. He also wants to bless that person sitting right next to you. You know how he wants to bless them? Through you. He wants you to be the conduit of that blessing. And and he wants to bless you for it as well. So you can be a blessing to other people. Now, does God want everybody to be rich? I don't know. Is that okay for a pastor to say? I don't know. I'm not God. Uh, I don't know if he wants everybody to be rich, so I'm not going to build a theology around the answer to that question. I'll say, I'll say this. I have seen, met, witnessed, encountered good Christians entrusted with lots of wealth, that God is using them powerfully in the kingdom. Right? I have seen, read about, encountered, met really good Christians who gave their all for the kingdom. And we read about them. They died without any possessions, but apparently incredibly joyful. Uh, Both types, by the way, are in the Bible. So I don't think you can just say one or the other is the way you have to be. You can't get legalistic about this, right? Both types are in the Bible. We see wealthy Christians in the Bible living for God. And we see people who gave their all and, and went to the grave with nothing left on the table. So we see both types in in the Bible. I do know this. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I know that's true. Uh, I know that God is looking for people who will be his catalyst for blessing in the world, and I want in on that. I know that, right? Um, I know that to whom much is given, much is required. And we, church, have been given a lot. We have. We sort of hit the jackpot in time and space, living in 21st century America. Uh, we just did, so I, th- I think a lot's probably required of us. Now, that's that's all about giving, uh, so good morning, see you later. <laughs> no. uh, I have some more to say. Uh, I want to talk about another aspect of our money, and this one is also controversial, and this is tithing. Everybody's heard about tithing. Some of you, maybe. Um, just so you know, this from its very founding 32 years ago has always been a tithing church. We, we have heard good teaching for 32 years from our pastor, Albert, Amen. about being the tithing people. So this is a tithing church. We preach it for 32 years. Uh, we've never in those 32 years, I don't believe ever had anybody come back and say, I want my money back. It didn't work. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, my wife, Melissa and I, have, we're, we're going on this in just a couple of weeks. We're going to celebrate 18 years of marriage. And so that's super fun. Yay! Uh, applaud her. Applaud her when he's here. Uh, but we, we, from the very beginning, we have tithed 10% of our income. It's, just a, it's a commitment we made from the very beginning. Uh, it doesn't matter if we had a good job, a bad job, three jobs, or no job. It didn't matter if the electric bill was super high that one month. It didn't matter if she gave birth to a baby that month. It's the first check we write. It's just always been. It's been a commitment we made from the very, very beginning. Um, in fact, I, I'm on automatic withdrawal now, so I can't even forget it because I'm scatterbrained, right? So, so it, it, it flies out of my bank account before I can even think about it. So, so we have always tithed. We tithe. My mom and dad have tithed since the time I was born, as far as I know. Our leaders in this church tithe. We encourage them to tithe. Um, did you know even this church tithes? Did you know your church tithes? 10%, in fact, 11%, just to go over and above, 11% of, of the general offerings, that all the general offices that come in, we tithe, we set aside for the work of the Lord. Uh, they don't go to pay the light bill. They don't go to help me feed my family. They go to missions. They go overseas. to go to outside ministries, things that are not us, to, to do the work of the Lord, to fund the kingdom work around the world. So even this church tithes because it's a principle, right? It's a principle. Now, if you're here and you're wondering, now what is tithing? You keep saying this word. You're wondering, what in the world is he talking about? It's very simple. Tithing is, the word tithe comes from a word that means tenth. So it's a biblical principle God instituted for his children, whereby we return to him 10% of our income back to God. And that's it. It's very simple. 10%. You just move the decimal place over. That's your tithe. One-tenth not 90, not 50%, it's 10. Uh, if, if you made $10,000, a thousand belongs to the Lord. If you made a million dollars, a hundred grand is the Lord. We teach our sons, if you make 10 bucks selling lemonade, one buck belongs to Jesus. We bring it to church, we put it in the offering. Um, that's, that's the Lord's. And tithing has been a part of church life for 2,000 years. Since Jesus. Uh, so it's been part of history. It goes back even further than that, in fact. It was part of the Jewish way of life. They practiced tithing in the Old Testament. And it goes back even farther than that. This is the really exciting part. So before you let anybody tell you that uh, tithing is just Old Testament or it's part of the law or something like that, uh, because I've heard those arguments, i really researched this out. Remember this. Tithing is a universal, God-created principle. It's a principle, God created it. It wasn't just part of the Old Testament law. It was a biblical practice 400 years before the law. In Genesis 14, we see Abraham tithing. There was no law. It was just Abraham and God, right? They were just like being buds, hanging out. Abraham and God. And and Abraham tithed before there was a law. So it's a principle before the law. It was a principle during the law. And it continues after the law. In fact, you could, I, I would even make an argument that tithing, you could take it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When God said, they're in the garden, you can have, guys, you can have every tree in this garden. It is all yours. Enjoy it, except that one right there. That's mine. That one's mine. From the very first moment of creation, we see this principle of stewardship and returning to the Lord what is the Lord's, what he reserves for himself and returning that. When it comes to our finances, God, we see in scripture, has reserved the tithe for himself. So let's explore this a little bit. In Exodus 23, 19, he says this, the first of your first fruits, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring. Now, let me jump in here. Notice, whenever God talks about tithing, whenever you see it, mentioned in scripture. He uses the word bring. He never uses the word give. Bring. Because see, we don't give God the tithe because in his eyes, it was never ours. It's his. Those first fruits are his. So you can't give what doesn't belong to you, right? This weekend, I borrowed my dad's truck because I had to run some errands. And so this morning, in fact, we exchanged keys back. And you know what? I didn't go to dad and go, dad, these are uh, those truck keys. Mel and I were talking and we want you to have this truck. <laughs> you know. We love you and we just want to give you this truck. <laughs> he would have went, that's my truck. <laughs> Thank you. And I would have went, Yeah, I know, I know it's your truck, and, and we just want you to have it, because <laughs> it's the kind of people we are. You're welcome. Um, no, that would have been a really awkward conversation, right? It's his truck. So I wasn't giving him a truck. I was returning a truck, right? Returning the truck. Um, So this is what we see in the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about tithes and offerings. So we bring our tithe out of obedience, it's the Lord's, and then we give our offerings. This is the model we see in the New Testament church. They give their offerings out of this heart of generosity, and so, uh, and, and you know, the tithe always goes to the house of the Lord. This is what scripture seems to say. So I, I never give my tithe to Goodwill or the United Way or the preacher on television, even though those are all good things, right? I might give an offering. Uh, those are great things. But we bring the tithe to the local church, the local church where you go and you get fed. That's, that's a, a good way to think about it. So if you're visiting this morning and you have a local church, you're just visiting with some friends this morning here, we don't want your tithe, right? That should go to your church. That's, uh, because Malachi 3, let me read, read it so you don't think I'm making this up. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse so that there may be meat in my house. Now, what is the meat that we bless the community with? It's ministry. It's the word of God. It's the kingdom of God that we, we, we share. You know, it's the ministry flowing through this church. And so, in fact, the tithe, this is really cool, the tithe in God's system, the tithe is how we fund the work of the ministry. That's the way he meant for it to be. This is what the New Testament believers came together, and they funded the ministry through this. And I'll tell you this, if every single Christian in America tithed, there would be no hungry in our communities. No one hungry, no one poor in our communities. If Christians just tithed, um, I, I believe that God fully intended for the local church to be his hands and feet in our community, not the Social Security Administration. I, I think somehow along the way, back in the 1800s or something, the church gave up that role in society, and I think it's a real shame. That's my little soapbox, and I'll get off of it now. Okay, uh, but Scripture's very clear on this, that the tithe belongs to the Lord. In the language of Scripture, in fact, we, we have a choice. We either bring God his tithe... Or it says that we steal it for ourselves. So in scripture, this is the choice. Now I'm not Einstein. I went to public school. So, but I'm thinking stealing from the Lord's probably not the best recipe for getting Him involved in my life. So I'll leave that you know for you to you to figure out. Let's look at another important aspect of this. This is interesting because people ask me, "Well, do you tie the after taxes before net gross way?" Um, let me say this. I don't think God's legalistic about it. I don't want to be legalistic about this. We're not under the law. However, there is an interesting principle I want to show you uh, in Proverbs 3. It says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will, be, will brim over with new wine. In Exodus Chapter 3 says this. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. And then if you skip down to verse 12, he says this. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, all the firstborn males of your livestock, belong to the Lord, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So here's this, this really beautiful concept uh, that I want us to get, because this will change your life. Tithing is based on the principle of the first. The principle of the first, the first 10%. That We see this, this pattern all through Scripture. And really, we're talking about a principle. We're talking about a pattern, a principle to live by. Remember when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? They were in slavery for like 400 years, right? He brings them out. He gets them through the desert. After 40 years in the desert, he finally brings them into the promised land. What's the first city they come across? Anybody remember? Jericho. Gold star for pastor. Jericho. They get to Jericho. And in Joshua... uh, Now, here's the thing. Every other city they come across after this... We hear the story. They, they march up the city. They destroy it. They, like, take all the stuff. You know, it's very brutal. It's all, you know, it's not Jesus-y. But they, you know, they, they get to keep it all for themselves, all the gold and silver. This is mine. This is mine. They get to keep it all. What did God say to do with all the silver and the gold from Jericho, the very first city? It had to be kept in the Lord's house. It was kept in the Lord's house. Not a single bit kept by any of the people were to be kept. Why? Because God said, this one's mine. This one's mine. It's the first. It's the first city. It's the first fruits of this promised land. This one is mine. Now, notice God didn't say, guys, after y'all have conquered a whole bunch of cities, you know, after you've got like six or seven cities, if you got any money left over, maybe give me a tenth. That would be awesome. If you got anything left over. No, he said the first fruits are mine. So before they conquered anybody else, they gave God that city they didn't keep anything for themselves. Because God says, if, if you give me the first, the rest are blessed. And this is what I have found in my life over and over and over. God can do more with the 90% I've got left than I could have done with the hundred. He can do way more with that, right? He does amazing things. And I don't understand it all. It's a God thing. Now, it took faith for the Israelites to do that, right? They had to have faith. it it, it doesn't take faith to, to give you know the last whatever you got left over at the end of the month to God. It takes faith in God when it means that you actually have to depend on Him for the rest of the month. You have to depend on Him to take care of the rest, to bless the rest. Just like it takes faith for some of us. I know we have a lot of tithers in this church. So, so most of you, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm just kind of encouraging you today. But I know we have a lot of folks here who are new to generations. So I want you to know, you know where we, we are on this issue. Um, but you know what it's like when you, you tithe that first check. And you don't know, is the washing machine going to break down this month? Am I going to have to fix that again? Is the car starting to squeak? It needs brake pads. You know, It needs all these things. You know these things are going to come throughout the month. It takes faith. To do that first. There's other stories. Remember uh, when uh, when God went to Abraham, and He made that enormous request of Abraham. He said, "I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me." Did He say, "But you know what? You can wait till you got four or five kids. Once you got four or five sons, then give me Isaac." No, He asked for Isaac when all Abraham had was Isaac and a promise. He had Isaac and a promise, and God said, give me Isaac. And by the way, God gave us his first and only begotten son when he had no other sons and daughters that had accepted him yet. God gave us his first because he's a God of covenant. See, it's not about the law. It's not about law. It's about love. It's about love. But see, it takes faith to give first fruits. And faith is where God wants us to operate. It really is. Trusting in him, that's living where the miracles are. It's it's a whole different lifestyle. Um, Here's another one. How many of you you know the story of Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel. So, you know, Cain gives his offering to the Lord. Abel gives his offering to the Lord. And it says that God rejected Cain's and accepted Abel's. Have you ever, anybody else been like me and just wondered, that seems really just random and unfair Like, poor Cain. Like, what did he do wrong? Right? Until I got to, if you read it really closely, look what it says Cain's was brought when? In the process of time. It wasn't the first fruits, it was just some random portion of the harvest. In the process of time, Cain brought some rutabagas. (laughs) Abel's, what does it say? Was the firstborn. See, Cain did what a lot of people do today, which is give what they want when they want. We think when it comes to God, I'm going to give what I want when I want. And it's it's very surprising for some folks to find out that God is not legalistic, but he actually does have a standard. He has a standard, right? And remember why the law was written. The law was written because God was like, you people are messed up. I have got to give you a minimum standard to live by. That, that's why the law was written. So once, you have, once you start committing to be this all-in kind of disciple, the, the tithe for you just becomes the starting place. That just becomes where you start. He says, bring me the first 10%, and I will bless the 90 I tell you what, Melissa and I have a dream. We have a goal, a spiritual goal together. That's eventually, we want to tithe the 90 and let, see what God, how he takes care of us on the 10 That's what we would love to get to, Right? That's where we want to get to. In the New Testament church, after Jesus, some folks have pointed out, tithing is rarely mentioned again. And that's true. You don't see a whole lot of mention of tithing in the New Testament church. Why? Because apparently they left tithing in the dust because they went beyond it. They were going way beyond the 10th. Every example of New Testament generosity, when you look at that early church, They go way beyond the tenth. So if you're here today, if you don't tithe, let it be because you've gone way beyond it. Not out of being free from Old Testament giving laws. Go beyond it. We we tithe not by law, but by faith. We tithe out of love, out of faith. Here's another one. People will often say to me why they don't tithe. I don't tithe because God just wants a cheerful giver. (laughs) Right? Right? Have you ever thought this? God wants a cheerful giver, and he does. He absolutely does. He doesn't want you crying and griping every time the offering plate comes by. He doesn't want you doing that, right? Now, I don't have time to get into it. We'll we'll read it in our deeper small group on Wednesday, but the the passage is so cool, the letter where Paul's writing to the Macedonian church, and he tells them, God wants a cheerful giver. Give, Give whatever you have in your heart to give. These people had already gone way beyond the tithe. It says they were giving their all. They were giving everything to God. Paul's encouraging them, be of good cheer. God wants a cheerful giver. Don't give it out of, oh, woe is me. He wants a cheerful giver, right? So yes, be a cheerful giver because God, let me tell you this, this is true. God will not bless an offering given out of greed, you know, this give to get. I don't think he's gonna bless an offering given out of greed, and he won't, give a, he won't bless a tithe given out of bitterness. This, you know, I hate to do this, sir. You just might as well stop and get your heart right first, right? He won't bless an offering given out of greed. and He won't bless a tithe given out of bitterness. So when you're giving to the Lord, my dad always taught me this. This is good stuff. When, he was, when you're giving to the Lord, get your attitude right. Set your mind on Christ Say, thank you, Lord, that you have blessed me with this, that I get to invest in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, you're gonna turn this into souls for the kingdom, Father. Thank you that you're gonna do this. And yes, Lord, I know that I can trust in you and I depend on you for every single need I may ever have. You wanna bless me, Lord, according to the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. And we can, we can pray that. But don't, don't let people tell you, well, tithing, that's just that old Old Testament stuff. Let me ask you this. If Jesus asked you to tithe, would you tithe? If Jesus, the one who died for you and loves you, gave his life for you, if Jesus asked you to tithe, would you tithe? Mm -mm -mm. Matthew 23, he's smacking down these Pharisees. Because the Pharisees had this habit, right, of getting all legalistic about the law while missing the point. They were really big about missing the greater principle. Why were they doing this? They, had, they did this all the time. Poor Pharisees. Bless their hearts. He says to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of all your spices. There's a whole teaching on this. Mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, these are the, the traits that we see out of the New Testament church, the ones who went even beyond the tithe. We see tons of justice, mercy, faithfulness, right? So, so, so tithing, it doesn't just mean we, we get to buy our way out of acting like Jesus in these other areas. You don't get to like pay your tithe, now I don't have to be like nice to anybody, right? What does he say? You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, So Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for you and me, says we ought to tithe. He said we ought to tithe. So do you tithe out of your net? Do you tithe out of your gross? I'll just ask you, who deserves your first fruits? Who deserves the first fruits? Is it government? Is it health insurance? You know, sometimes our companies will take health insurance out of our paycheck or something like that. Or God, I, I'll let you make that call because you're grownups. So I'm gonna let you make that call. But I'll tell you, as for me in the Hale House, God always gets his first. Always gets his first. And, and I have never regretted a cent that I've given to the Lord. Never regretted a cent. Never went, oh, I wish I'd given a little less this month. It's never happened. Now, if you're still unsure, because I know this is a big deal. This is a big deal for some folks. If you're still unsure, here's my challenge when it comes to this. Just try it. Try it. Try it for a few months. And in fact, God says the same thing. He says in, in, back in Malachi, he says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and test me now in this. Look, this is the only place I can find in the Bible where God says you can test him to keep his promise. I can't see another place where he says this. Test me. Try me. And see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, we're not given to get. Okay? That's not our motive. We're not given to get. We're given out of love. We're given to give. Because we want to be all-in Christians. We want to be that kind of supernatural lifestyle where God is using us to be conduits of blessing to the world. Right? He says, "Test me, though. You can trust me because I know you got kids. I know you got a, you know, you got a wife or a husband, and you're, you know, you, you want to take care of your stuff, and that's good. You want to be responsible. Test me. I'll, I'm gonna take care of you. Test me in this. And then he says this in verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I will rebuke the devourer. I'll say this, and I'm almost done here. The number one reason I've heard from." From friends or as a pastor from number one reason i hear people say why they don't tithe it's not because they're like rebellious or evil or something like that the number one reason i hear people say they don't tithe that they give is i can't afford to tithe i can't afford to tithe listen you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe until you start tithing And understand where I'm coming from, church. I hope you guys know me well enough. I'm not saying this because I want your your money. I'm saying this because I want you free. I don't want your money. We're not gonna take up another offering. That was it. So you're gonna let this kind of like stew all week long, okay? I don't want your money, I want you free. I'm not preaching this so the church will have more money. Because I'll be honest with you, you're not our source. God is our source. God is our source. He does want you to be the vessel because he wants you to get blessed too. He wants you to be the vessel. But you know what? There's a whole bunch that God has called this church to do. A whole bunch of really exciting things. Lots of like scary, wild, impossible things God has called us to do. And on paper, it doesn't look all that possible when we're kind of like looking at the numbers. You know what I'm talking about? It it doesn't, but you know what? It makes me excited because we are praying some epic prayers around here. I don't know about you. We are praying epic prayers because guess what? As long as I have been involved in this church and even before I've been involved since the day this, this church was founded, God has always done a miracle for Generations Church. He has always enabled this church to accomplish what God calls this church to accomplish he always sets us goals that don't make any sense at all he, and, he, and he makes them come to pass. Somehow he works it out. He, all, he called us to, He called dad to work and get this building for this church and somehow it worked out. This, he couldn't have done that in the natural, but it worked out. God called us to build churches all around the world through the hundred club. That doesn't make any sense on paper, but he worked it out. It started happening and it still is happening. It doesn't make any sense on paper. I don't know how churches are still getting built, but it's working. Churches are getting built. We're doing the work of the ministry because God, we will do what God calls us to do because he's our source. You're not our source and I'm not our source. God is our source. And if we will trust the Lord, if you will trust the Lord with your first fruits, he will be your source. Not the government, not your job, not the economy. God will be your source. I know that to be a fact. And if you want in on that, I, I, I urge you to take a chance and trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. That's being an all-in Christian. Look, I, I'm... Stand before you, I'm not perfect. Um, it, by any means, there's a bunch of ways that I fall short every single day. But this is one area of my life that I've, I've learned to get pretty solid on. I'm pretty solid on the tithe. You, you couldn't talk me out of tithing if you tried. And I've done the research. I, I really, you know, really looked at this. I've heard all the arguments. I've heard all the theological debates. And respectfully, they don't add up. This... This is true. If I died today, I'll tell you this. If I died today and uh, St. Peter, whoever he is, meets me at the gate and says, Scott, actually, you didn't have to tie. That was a misprint. (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't regret a cent. I would not regret a cent. I'm only going to get to heaven wishing I had given more because I know two things. Number one, I know that my giving translates into souls for the kingdom. It enables the work of the ministry in this world to happen. And I know number two, That every little bit that I give, it works more greed and selfishness out of my life. I know it's making me a little bit more like my Jesus. And the more I get to know Jesus, the more I want to trust him. The more I can trust him. I want to be more like my Jesus. And i got a long way to go, right? And there's some of us in here, we know, we got a long way to go. This is one way we work greed and selfishness out of our life. We get to be a little bit more like our Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you for listening to this. I know it was uncomfortable for some folks, but hopefully gave you some things to think about. Go home. Pray about it. If you're married, pray about it with your spouse because this is a big thing. This is a big thing. You're, you're, you're about to open up all kinds of blessings on your home. So if you want that, you know, you need to pray about it with your spouse and say, okay, this is what we're going to commit to this. At least commit to it for a few months. Like I said, see what God does. See what, See if he comes through for you. He said we could do that. He said we could try him. So... Go ahead, take him for his word. Um, I encourage you to to, to take that step. Um, as our prayer partners come forward, let, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you, Father, that we cannot outgive you, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you are so good. You invite us to be involved in the things of the kingdom. You give us a part to play. You put us in the game, Lord God. You tell us how we can be all-in Christians, Lord God. You give us a part to play. And and, and this, this tithing and this giving thing, it... Something has to die inside of us sometimes, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, that it's, it's freedom that's on the other side. We praise you for that, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. You could have just commanded it and then left it at that, but you also said you would bless us. So I thank you, Father God, for blessing for every single person in this room, Lord God. Blessing, not so that we can just get fat and rich, Lord God, but so that we can be a blessing. We want to be disciples who make disciples. We want to be blessed so we can bless the world. Thank you, Lord God. You are changing us to change the world, Lord God. We just want to be conduits of blessing for you, Lord God. Help us to be just visual, walking, visible, walking, talking, flesh and blood, examples of Jesus Christ to everybody we see, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your word for your your scripture for your principles that are timeless lord thank you for these timeless principles for showing them to us lord help us to trust you lord help us to trust you we praise you in jesus name amen thank you hallelujah hallelujah all right you guys have a wonderful week and we will see you if you have anything at all you need prayer about be sure and come down and and see our prayer partners these guys will pray with you in faith And uh, you have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.